0: Hello, and welcome to the Illuminate Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Emmy Birch, and today we're talking to my friend Drew Whitcomb, who works with Wear Testers. In fact, he's one of the co-founders of Wear Testers. But don't worry, if you're not into shoes or basketball or running or apparel or any of those type of things, this conversation with Drew talks about finding your niche and making it happen. We have such a fun conversation talking about something that we're both really passionate about, but throughout the conversation, Drew drops a lot of hints and encouragement for you to find your niche, find your place, follow your nose, trust your gut, all the things. I really can't wait for you to hear this conversation. The second I met Drew, I knew he was going to be a fantastic guest for the Illuminate podcast. If you're looking to connect with all of the hosts or find more content related to illumination, please check us out over at patreon.com theilluminatepod. Of course, if you could like and review us, that's how more people hear these stories and also find ways for life to be illuminated. We'd also love to hear from you. Follow us on social media, The Illuminate Podcast on Instagram, all sorts of things. It's really an honor to be one of your hosts and to bring you these episodes every week and every month. I can't wait for you to hear this one, so please sit back and enjoy this conversation with Drew Whitcomb about wear testers and finding your niche. Today on the Illuminate podcast, I'm talking with Drew Whitcomb of Wear Testers. Hey, Drew. Hey, how's it going? It's going great. Thanks for coming on and talking to us today.
1: No problem. It's good to be here.
0: Tell me about wear testers. We met running the Peachtree Road Race.
1: We did. Yes. Um, So Wear Testers started as a basketball shoe review site in 2010. I was living in Arkansas. I had worked for General Mills. I called on Walmart. Um, The problem with Bentonville, at least at the time, which is in Northwest Arkansas, is that there was no good shoe store there. So I was ordering shoes online. Inevitably, I was getting shoes that didn't fit, that didn't work. And it was really annoying. So I said, let me just start writing up my experiences with each of these shoes. And it will give me an excuse to buy more shoes. So as someone who has loved shoes since I was a little kid, it worked out well. Uh, And it gave me something to do, kind of like a side hustle that was uh, getting me interested in kind of web design and things like that, things that I hadn't uh, broached before. Uh, Unbeknownst to me across the country in California, uh, my eventual co-founder, Chris, started a YouTube channel also reviewing sneakers. Um, He was a property manager by day and same sort of thing, uh, was ordering more shoes online and just decided to start bringing his insights uh, to YouTube. Fast forward a few years later, I moved out to the Bay Area to work for PayPal. Uh, Him and I knew of each other at that point and became fast friends and eventually combined everything. Fast forward to 2016, we get it so that he can go full time on the business. Fast forward another two years to 2018, and then I went full time. So full time shoe reviewer slash you know, writer, I guess you could say, journalist, uh, some would say. So that's where we are today is full time. We've got uh, a few people that write stuff for us on occasion. Um, Chris's wife appears in his videos, kind of gives us a little bit of stuff there. And it's really digging into the technology of the shoe, how it fits, stuff like that. We When I came full-time, I got into running, which then threw me into races, <laughs> which is, coincidentally, how we met. Because when I moved to Atlanta, everyone tells you, go do the Peach Tree, Peach Road, Tree Race. Road Race. And so I did that, and uh, <laughs> that's where cool, we met. Cool
0: circle. Oh, I love it. Okay, so you've given us the quick history of wear testers. But I want to know, how did Drew get into basketball? Give us a little bit of the history. You said you love shoes from a young age. Why basketball?
1: So, I mean, that really comes down to my dad and kind of fortuitous circumstances growing up in Orlando. So, growing up in Orlando, right as I turned, I believe it was eight, the Orlando Magic were becoming a franchise. And anyone uh, now, it's all soccer franchises that are popping up. But if you've been around a city where one of those soccer franchises pops up, you just see the effect it has on kids. All of a sudden, they want to just, you know, be a professional soccer player. I think it was no different with me and basketball, like the energy of the magic coming to Orlando, Orlando's first professional sports team. Mm -hmm. It just like accelerated basketball into overdrive. And my dad always watched it on TV. So we watched Michael Jordan, the Lakers, which is, he was from LA and, you know, It was kind of like a very good time in basketball to be a kid growing up and watching because you had a lot of personalities and a lot of fun players. And then, of course, you had Michael Jordan and his shoes, which a lot of the kids that grew up in the late 80s and throughout the 90s um, focused in on those shoes because, you know, everything else on your uniform, at least in those days, was very Uh, you know, set, you know, you got your uniforms in the school, the thing you could customize and make about you was the shoes. And that like drew me in because it was like, okay, I, I need to have this shoe. I'm going to, you know, be flashy with the 3M or with the colors, you know, and uh, that's, you know, that's how basketball and shoes kind of grew together.
0: Wow. I had no idea of that story, but Savannah is getting a professional hockey team and man, is it all the rage. And we got a soccer team a few years ago and there's so many little soccer teams that pop up. You are exactly right. But for you, it was basketball. And so you get to Arkansas, you're out of school. Did you play basketball all through school?
1: I, I played on and off through school. I was really skinny and like, i I grew three inches in college, so I was sort of a late bloomer. Um, But I also, I ran some track. I did a lot of everything in high school, a little bit of volleyball, a little bit of track, a little bit of cross country, a little bit of basketball. Um, And uh, when I got to college, I kept playing basketball in terms of intramurals and stuff like that. I probably had the chance to go play for like a D3 or an NAIA school. But in the end, I just decided to, To stay and just do have the normal college experience.
0: So I hear kind of a trend here that you like to dabble in a lot of really awesome things and see how it ties together. I'm seeing that as a trend. So when you get to Arkansas, you're out of college. What did you need the basketball shoes for? Why were you still buying basketball shoes?
1: Well, I was playing in leagues. I was playing almost every day at the YMCA. And once again, I was still passionate about shoes and loved wearing them. I chafed against my company's rules of wearing like brown leather shoes every day. Uh, I was like, come on. And now, and nowadays General Mills, like you can wear whatever you want every day to the office. And so I was, I was ahead of my time. I like to think <laughs> in terms of office uh, wear. So yeah, I mean, it was just, and, and the world was slowly becoming a little more casual in that way. And so basketball shoes and the shoot the brightly colored, uh, funly le- fun, fun designs of shoes were more acceptable in multiple situations. I mean, you started to have people getting married in Air Jordans and stuff like that. And so as it became more of a cultural thing, more acceptable, it was just like, I just kind of leaned into something I always liked.
0: Did you have any experience starting a business beforehand? You you had experience in sales and marketing and other startups. How did you know that you could make your own business?
1: I didn't. I just <laughs> my and in fact my original idea was just, you know, there is no good source of reviews. Um, unbeknownst to me, there had been a guy that wrote reviews like a couple years earlier in the mid two thousands, early two thousands, but he actually took a job at Nike, you know, reviewed shoes enough that they were like, Oh, come work for us, you know? Um, and, but then he went away and we just didn't, it didn't exist. And so my original idea was, let me just solve this problem. Um, Then as I started kind of researching, you know, things like affiliate and, you know, web ads, you know, all of which were, you know, not as built up as they are today, I was like, whoa, this could actually be a business.
0: So you found a gap and you filled it.
1: Yeah, exactly. And a very niche gap, um, which I think is one of the important things. Like if you have a niche that you're passionate about. Uh, you can cre- you know what is needed in that niche, and you can then fill it. Now, whether that niche can make any money is an open question. But you learn you'll learn a lot. You know, doing whatever it is you know, a podcast, a website, a YouTube channel that fills that niche and provides that information to the world at large, uh, you learn a ton. And so, even if wear testers had never made any money. I would have learned a ton about, you know, setting up a website, you know, how to, you know, register a domain, how to set up a business entity, like all those sort of things like have been incredibly valuable later um, in various contexts, even like putting aside the fact that that Wear Testers has grown and uh, been, you know, a solid success.
0: I love these tangible tips that we can take away if you have a niche idea how to get started and just jumping off into it. Let's let's pivot a little bit. You're doing wear testers, you're buying the shoes out of pocket, you're writing reviews. This is the early mid two thousands. Were you writing them as blog posts? I mean, this is what 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 were you doing to get the word out?
1: Yeah. So I was, I was writing them as blog posts. I was early. I mean, like, I don't think Instagram even existed then, uh, which Instagram has become huge for shoes because there's, you know, the pictures are what draws people in. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I was trying to uh, get a little bit of a following on Twitter And then obviously my co-founder on YouTube, YouTube was becoming a thing. And then that was helping send people to the website as well. So kind of having the the pronged strategy helped us out. Uh, But surprisingly enough, uh, Google is pretty good about finding out if you are an actual human writing articles and you know what you're talking about. So uh, their, you know, algorithm does have problems, and occasionally, like with certain questions, you'll see it's taken over by, you know, you ask a question of Google, and you'll be like, wow, this is taken over by completely automated sites and just garbage results. But a lot of results, it's not necessarily the case. So uh, the greatest thing for us was that if you were to search Air Jordan Seventeen review where testers would pop up right there on the first page. If you went there, you'd see, we took some original pictures of our pair. You could tell that we tested it. And then we were talking about the things you wanted to know, like how does it fit? How does it feel? Is it comfortable? That sort of thing. And so um, people had a good experience when they came to the site and then, you know, back then it was hard to follow you on social. So maybe they put us in an RSS reader, that sort of thing and then could follow along because we were just, you know, each one was a blog post. We were, we were not organizing it as a blog where, you know, ever, we were organizing it more once you got there, you know, you could go to the basketball shoes, you could go to the occasional, at that time, the occasional like other shoe that we mm-hmm. did, or you could look at apparel reviews and things like that. So our organization was a little bit different than the typical blog, but the publishing mechanism was the same.
0: So you would write all these in the beginning by yourself? Did anyone edit for you or help you with the writing and did you reach out to shoe companies or just pay for them outright and hope that you'd make money back later?
1: No, I just paid for them outright at the beginning and hoped we'd make money later. I mean, I would have been spending a fair amount on shoes anyway. I probably mm-hmm. definitely I definitely accelerated that because I was like, oh, now I need to renew review something else. Um, And eventually shoe companies noticed, started reaching out, started uh, sending product and slowly, but surely we've built up those relationships with them. uh, So they know what type of things we want to review. And um, basically we're, we're kind of a, a partner of theirs because we prevent people from buying something that doesn't fit or from having a bad experience. So there are some shoe companies that, wish I think that everything we said was positive. Um, but you know, when these two companies are releasing 50 to hundred shoes a year, you're going to have some stinkers in there. Um, and we <laughs> never, we never just totally destroy a shoe because like nowadays there's no shoe that's worth that's, that's total crap, right? They're all mm-hmm. good in some respects. And, uh, what we try and point out is, you know, hey, you need to go up a half size and this, you know, to make it fit, which then prevents returns, saves the, the company money in the end, um, prevents consumers from having a bad experience. Right. So there's there's that whole aspect that we're kind of a good extra thing when someone's sitting at a shelf. Should I buy this? Should I buy that? You know, seven over 70 percent of our traffic is mobile. Because my guess is they're just standing there in Dick's sporting goods and football. Trying to figure in, out
0: what to pick.
1: <laughs> yeah, in their local running store. And they're just like, oh, well, the salesman said both of these are good. And so then they go for some third party validation online, find a reputable site, read, and they, you know, if they find, you know, there may be pet peeves people have about shoes. Like some people want that traction to be super grippy. And if it's not super grippy, like a shoe is just not good for them, right? Uh, Mm -hmm. Because they want complete security with every step. Whereas other people, it doesn't matter as much, maybe because they step lighter or something like that. So, you know, they read, they read in our you know, in our guide, in our review that, Oh, well, the traction's okay on this one, but great on that one. Then they say in their minds, okay, done deal. Like traction is most important to me for other people. Cushion is most important for other people, you know, fit comforts the most important. And so we try and like talk about everything about the shoe so that people can make their own decisions as to what fits for their foot. Because feet, let me tell you, are incredibly different among people and, uh, you know, The shoe companies have a lot of marketing that would maybe lead you to believe differently, but that's why there are so many shoes and the industry is so varied is because like feet are just weird.
0: (laughs) Feet are so weird. But um, I have 500 questions. Let me channel to the first questions I want to ask. Yeah, This is such a fun conversation because I also really love shoes and I particularly love running shoes, but I'm saving the running (laughs) shoe questions for the end. Tell me, how did you see the company change and the content change from the early days to when you partnered with your co-founder? What was the biggest shift and what can people expect to see now versus then?
1: So when we partnered, the so back then it was really just these individual reviews thrown out into the ether. When we partnered, it became like a cohesive whole. So there was a YouTube video and then there was an article on the website to match it. So all of a sudden we were catering to, you know, maybe a younger set or a set of people that weren't in an office environment that could watch a video review. But then, you know, you've got, you know, a guy on their lunch break at the office, it's not kosher for them to be watching YouTube videos Mm -hmm. or something like that. They were able to read the review. And so we were just catering to more people and, the more better you know whatever way they wanted to consume the content so i would say that's the main difference now is we we kind of offer a little bit of everything I mean, we even have you know for our like most ardent fans our most passionate we have a discord community that they can join and, and you know chat all day about shoes so there is you know Don't we've just me. created we've just created all these options to like dig in as much or as little as you want, right? I would say the majority of our uh, viewers or the majority of our readers are looking for a pair of shoes every three months, every six months, every year, you know, whatever their cadence is. And then they come back to us to help do that research. Uh, But there are varying degrees of people and how much they're on our site. And so now I feel like we're much more catering to everyone, so if you're just a weekend warrior that occasionally needs a pair of running shoes, or occasionally needs a pair of basketball shoes, or uh, you know uh, CrossFit shoes, whatever whatever it is, whatever activity you're tackling, you can come to us just as much as the person who's buying like a pair of shoes every week because they're just crazy into shoes and that's their hobby.
0: I love that when you go on, your website is so organized. I totally went down that rabbit hole when I first met you back in July, and I now have it saved as one of my bookmarks because I'm also a big shoeie. And I love how you can go and you can look not just in basketball shoes, running shoes, but apparel. And you have gift guides for guys and gals. And I know my husband's not listening to this right now because we're airing it after Christmas, but I've been looking there for his Christmas present (laughs) (laughs)
1: feel free free to dm me if you need any more ideas oh definitely that's that's the thing that happens and and people i don't think understand this from the outside is when you become a competent review site that gets some traffic all of a sudden you are a very cheap way for all kinds of companies to get the word out about their product so things as you can, you know, you're, you're oh, watching I've been video. totally
0: looking at your shoes behind you. I'm sorry, <laughs> listeners, that you can't see the wall of shoes behind him, but I'm having a very hard time not trying to guess what every single shoe is on this amazing wall of shoes behind your head.
1: Yeah, lots of running ones back there to tempt you. But uh and there's just stuff that people send, just random weird stuff like I like got the other day I got pants with exercise bands built in that you're supposed to be able to wear around and it makes like just normal Wait. sitting and standing. <gasps> <Wait. laughs> like <yeah.
0: laughs> You've got a pair of pants with exercise bands, but did you wear them all day and see what happened?
1: I, I wore them and I don't feel like they work at all. So I probably won't put anything about them on the website, um, but I'm going to like, I've got a physical therapist that I go to on an occasional basis. I'm going to give him pants and be like, are these (laughs) legit? Because like to me, they feel like they're kind of doing the opposite, like helping me versus like actually making things harder. Uh, but that's the that's an example of like the random stuff we get, you know, and uh people because it's very like that's the cheapest marketing you can do, right? Is -hmm. you send a product which you're you know you're not it's not even costing you the full retail price, but you send it to a reviewer who you know is competent and does good writing. And Mm -hmm. they, if they write something good about it, okay, you've all, you've all of a sudden got traffic, you've got people coming to your website Mm -hmm. to check it out. And you've got a good review out there for people that stumble on your website and are like, is this legit? Or is this, is this good? You know, and then they may open up a new tab in Google and search it. So, I mean, that's, that's kind of how uh, the review game has become across kind of all Mm -hmm. kinds of uh, verticals, you know, and it, like it, I'm, I'm sure all of these,
0: and stuff. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, and I mean, Instagram influencers, like, Oh, we all know the ones that say nothing about a product and you're like, okay, you didn't help me, but we all know the ones probably in our feed that were like, okay, every time someone, that person mentions something, they actually tell me like interesting facts mm-hmm. about the product. And I know if I want to buy it. And so I think there's a real interesting kind of, uh, dichotomy between kind of people that just are kind of just marketers for a brand and people that actually say like helpful review stuff. Um, so sometimes it's hard to tell the difference, but that's kind of the world I live in. It's kind of a strange, it's, it's a strange, like ever developing world as well. Uh, but it's, it's fun because like, once again, like I love testing this gear and shoes and stuff. And so I just live in like a pile of it, like the The real tough thing for me is figuring out, okay, what of these various things I could spend time testing this week would be of the most help to the audience? Like who, uh, you know, is this a good fit for them? Like, will it make their life better? You You know, will it make you know, you know, like I got a hydration pack the other day and it doesn't bounce like at all. And so I'm Ooh. like, okay, I need to find a Wait, way. Tell me
0: all about it. I want to know.
1: know. I know. Right. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's a brand from Europe that has just come to the U S called USWE, USWE and like literally doesn't bounce. And so now I'm like, okay, I need to put this through as rigorous tests as possible because like, that's like a number one complaint on hydration mm-hmm. packs. And then. I can then turn around, write a review on it, uh, and tell more people about it because, you know, I, you know, the previous thing I was running with was a Camelback, which you know, Camelback has a good name, mm-hmm. but it would always move, and it was actually like, you know, kind of rubbing my shirt. Oh, I got on the scars. Back.
0: I got yeah. scars. Hydration pack scars. It's a, I thought it was a claim to fame, but if you think there's one that doesn't, I'm going to get sidetracked with all the awesome stuff. So if the stretchy band workout pant thingy Bobbers is the weirdest thing you've gotten, what's the coolest thing you've gotten?
1: Um, man, you know, let's see, what is the coolest thing? That's a good question.
0: That's hard, isn't it?
1: Probably, well, if I were to go back to, you know, a couple of years, it was some of the first percussion massage guns. Um, mm. so those started coming out from Theragun from Hyperbolt. And then like all the Amazon versions came out. And so people started sending those and I'm just like, this is awesome. Mm. You know, cause uh, for those of you that haven't tried the, you know, percussion massager, it's essentially like, um, just, it just, you know, like a massager that you can hold like a gun and then you can get your legs, your calves, you know, you know, even your back, like your neck, anything, um, it's easy to move around and hit like those hard to reach areas, uh, and, uh, get kind of a nice massage without much in the way of like having to go to an actual masseuse, you know, and really helpful, like after a run or after a basketball game, just, you know, especially when you have one of those like tight muscles mm-hmm. and, uh, they range anywhere from cheap to expensive They're, They have various levels of, uh, you know, how hard they hit you. And so there's like all this nuance to the category, but like when it first showed up, I was like, what is this? And then I was like, oh, wait, this feels really good. <laughs> and so then, you know, kind of early on, I knew it was going to become a thing. Now, did I think it would become this big of a thing? Probably not but it's it's a real nice little tool and so like whenever like a nice tool shows up that can start a whole category that's pretty cool
0: that is really cool all right so along those same lines then it kind of aligns with another question i had when you get something that you need to test like the percussive therapy or this new hydration pack What is the process then? Are you meeting with your co-founder and the rest of your team once a week to make a game plan? Are you designing the game plan single-handedly? What goes into actually testing and getting that review ready?
1: Yeah. So we've got on the basketball side and running side, just some various like standards we expect. So on the basketball side, we're trying to get You know, anywhere from five to 10 hours on court of playing in a pair of shoes or a piece of gear uh, that really, like, we're never going to be, you know, a reviewer is never going to be the best at telling you durability, but we try and make like a little, we try and catch any like horrible durability things. Uh, And you can do that by getting, you know, three to five times, like on the basketball court, for example. And uh, on the, on the running side, you know, we're trying to run, you know, depending on the shoe sometime, you know, something between 20 to 50 miles, um, try and stay on the high side of that if we can. Uh, but, you know, some shoes are just like updates to last year's shoe and nothing changed at all. So we're basically doing a quick quality fit, you know, just still do what it did last year so we, we are a little bit nuanced in terms of what shoe um but each piece of gear we like to be out there you know if it's a trail running shoe it needs to be out on the trail for a number of hours uh if it's a you know hydration pack it needs to be on the road on a long run it needs to be on a trail run where you're you know a lot more bumps and things like that and so we're trying it in these various circumstances just Uh, and we got all that written down and we try and stick to that uh, because it was all thought through from the perspective of who is going to wear this eventually and how are they going to beat it up and let's try and get as close to that as possible.
0: Do you, how do you watch the people coming through your site? How are you able to capture that data and how, like, do you know how many people visit your site in a day or over a year and what category they fall into?
1: Yeah. So, uh, we can see. we have google analytics on the website google analytics is not entirely accurate because it's kind of a survey of your website traffic but it gives us a good idea especially on a page by page basis like what are the most popular so for example you know when the pandemic started you know at that point like all of our top 10 most popular pages were basketball uh, and running you know occasionally we'd get one that would come up but then all the gyms closed and all the weight rooms closed. And all of a sudden we started getting tons of DMs on Instagram, like, oh, help me choose my running shoes. I need to get into running. What's the best way to get into running, you know, and all, you know, and that's probably most of our running audience is uh, casual runners who have come from a different sport, but the pandemic really accelerated that. So all of a sudden, out of nowhere, several of our running shoe articles shoot up into our top 10. And so we start to understand um, you know, like that one was sort of obvious by world conditions, but there's other thing. other times we don't see something coming and an article pops up into the top 10 or the top two. And we say, what, how did that happen? And all of a sudden, you know, it's just like, it's gone kind of semi-viral on Facebook or something. And so we can track down how that happens. Um, but they're, you know, probably the biggest tool we use is an SEO tool called Ahrefs, which is kind of like the gold standard of SEO. And it's really because, you know, we know we want to write about a certain product, but we don't know how people are searching for that product. And so then we can, you know, hydration packs, do people put in hydration packs or do they just say camelback? Cause that's what they think all of them are. And so we try and understand what those keywords are so that we can name the article appropriately, so that, you know, in the first couple paragraphs of the article, we can use the right keywords that'll get people that actually need that help to the article.
0: So you're doing search engine optimization all the time.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. We, uh, and I would say we didn't always do a very good job at it. Um, we just got lucky that our content was really good and Google figured that out. Um, but in recent years, um, we've got, uh, we've hired a guy that uh, focuses pretty much his entire job on SEO and in terms of, hey, where wh- what is the information we ha- already have on our site that we can organize into an SEO-friendly format? Uh, one example is uh, basketball shoes for people with flat feet. Uh, we published that article not too long ago, uh, and that article just took off right away. Because there are a lot of people with flat feet, and they're trying to figure out what shoes are best for them and why. We already had all that information, you know, in the individual reviews. So we just needed to package that into its own article, and then link out from inside that one to all the individual reviews if they wanted to go even more in depth. Um, and so. Uh, like that has shown us that we also want now want to do a running shoes for flat feet. I was going um, to say, where's your running shoe
0: for high arches? If you could, running shoes for high arched little people that run on the tent of their feet, I'll be there. I'll read the whole thing beginning to end.
1: <laughs> yeah, see, and but, but that's the thing. And so you're saying, okay... Like that's how you would search for it, but then we have to look and see. Well, like, right. how are other people with a high arch searching in Google? Um, because as anyone knows who has thrown started a <laughs> sentence in Google, <laughs> you never know what's going to come up, no. and so you you just have to like figure out. You know, because we're especially us because we're in the industry, we know all the technical terms for these things, and mm-hmm. so. But that's not necessarily what a normal person is searching for. So, uh, you know, that's that's kind of one of our things is try and speak the language of the people that are watching and the people that are reading our content and not be like too high level industry speak, which is very and, you know, it's very easy to get into that on running shoes because there's all of these technical terms and things like that.
0: Oh, yeah, definitely. And I can only imagine basketball shoes. I I know that when I was exploring the website after I met you in July, that I'm like, how did he get into basketball? And how did running fit into all this? And so I went on the rabbit hole trying to figure out how you got into all of it, because it was such a great conversation. And man, it was a rabbit hole and a half. Before you knew it, I was looking at Air Jordans. I didn't even know what those were at the time. (laughs) It was such a fun website to look at. So You've told us how you start, got the idea, how you started the business, how you found success, a little bit of the in and out of it. For someone listening, why would they visit your your website? We've given you a million different reasons, but why do you feel like someone would come to your website? Why would they need to know wear testers?
1: Yeah, I would say for the average person, it's because you don't have the brain space to think about a shoe's performance during you know, 99% of your life. And there's like 1% of your time where you spend thinking, oh, I need to figure out a good running shoe. I need to figure out a good basketball shoe or a good CrossFit shoe. And that's us. Like we spend 99% of our time thinking about that so that you don't have to. So then you can just show up every six months when you're buying a new pair of shoes, look around, see what we're saying, and then say, oh, I think these two or these three are perfect for me. So, like, at least they've narrowed it down for me, right? Or, you know, based on what we're saying, you may find the perfect shoe for you. And then essentially, we're just trying to save you time, save you money, save you hassle of buying a bunch of stuff and returning it. And I think uh, we do that by thinking about this stuff so much and kind of doing the almost doing a lot of the thinking for you.
0: I love that. What a great, succinct way of explaining your niche and how you fill it and how we as listeners and audience members can participate in it. All right, I have some random kind of unrelated questions. So you have now run two marathons. You're totally bit by the marathon bug. Woo, I can't wait to run one with you. (laughs) Do you look at everyone's shoes when you're running and think about, ooh, I know about that shoe. How does that go?
1: Yeah, especially like before the race starts and in the first three first few miles when I'm kind of like easing into things I'm looking at all these people like oh that guy you know that guy's got those that girl's got those and you know sometimes you see some surprises you're like oh I would not have expected that tiny person to have the big honking shoes that they got you know um but yeah so I'm I'm looking to see what people have chosen um you know because I know which shoes have the biggest marketing budgets. Right. And so usually that correlates with what's on feet. Uh, but also, uh, marathon shoes have gone crazy technology wise mm-hmm. over the past few years, which, uh, is a lot of, you know, honestly, we've got a lot of like nineties kids, 2000 kids that were into basketball sneakers. Cause that's when they were popping off technological, uh, t- technology wise. Mm-hmm. And then, they are now attracted to running because running is doing all these things with technologies Mm -hmm. new phones and, and things like that. And so they're attracted over there. And uh, that's, you know, honestly part of the reason, one of the reasons that I got back into running, you know, I was mainly looking for uh, new challenges because it seemed like every time I was playing basketball, my back was tightening up on me. And I was like, but I still need something to stoke the competitive fire. So I was, you know, I was like, "Oh, let me go back into running, and then I'll start doing running reviews and that sort of thing." Uh, but also, like the shoe technology, I was like, "Look at what's going on in shoes over there." That's it's just like a completely interesting time to be a runner, and so I'm I'm looking at all of that um, now. <clears throat> like the last 5 miles of a marathon when i'm hurting like crazy i am no longer looking at people's shoes. Okay. I have Good to bigger know. fish bigger fish to fry.
0: Good to know. That makes me feel a little bit better cuz i'm thinking man if he saw me in those fi- final 10k in my shoes i can only imagine how that would go down cuz man i look like a goofball. Every single photo i've ever had at a race i look like an absolute goofball. Just <laughs> Kind of tiptoeing ballerina in through the air in my my little brightly colored shoes. It's always so much fun. Okay, so you're watching the shoes and marathons. I'm thinking this episode's gonna air right around the time of March Madness. So are you going to be watching the basketball shoes? and what are you looking for in that category?
1: Yes. and so typically, well, it'll be a little bit different with the pandemic this year because it's delaying some of the releases. Uh, but typically around the NBA All-Star Game, which is always President's Day weekend in February, the brands unveil kind of that, those spring basketball shoes, right? They do mm-hmm. a big hubbub, usually wherever All-Star Game is. This year it's in Cleveland. Why they chose Cleveland, I don't know. <laughs> Much rather it be somewhere warm, um, but we we always go because it's a big sneaker weekend. And then a lot of those shoes show up on the feet of people in March Madness. And that's your first inkling, at least for us performance geeks, about how a shoe performs, because a brand may talk up a shoe on All-Star weekend, February 15th, right? They'll say, this is the greatest thing since sliced bread. Every basketball player is going to wear it. Then you look and see, oh, well, now we just started March Madness. No one from you know, their, you know, their, their brand sponsors, all these teams, and none of them are wearing that shoe. They're wearing this other shoe. And that can be your first inkling that those college players like just don't like it. You know, it doesn't quite perform. It's more of a marketing story than it is a performance shoe. And so that's actually really helpful information for us. Um, You know, and so we look and see like, what's most popular among those college players that that really helps, you know, us prioritize kind of shoes on the basketball side specifically because we see what these athletes, and when these athletes are wearing them, then there are all the fans of that team that are watching them wearing them that are, you know, zooming in on, Mm -hmm. you know, the, the CBS screen being like, what is he wearing? And because they want to get the same shoe. And so it really, it helps kind of from a like audience sentiment perspective helps us figure out what's going to be interesting on the market in a few months like big events like that or like the nba finals you know the nba all-star game those sort of things you know and how people react on twitter and instagram are very good for us because we there's too many shoes we can't test them all so we use moments like that to kind of figure out what's the most important test to create a video on that sort of thing
0: did you do that after the Olympic, um, the marathons and the Olympics and all the different, um, speed work at the Olympics, Do you do the same thing there. Look at that as a way to prioritize what to test.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So especially the marathon because the marathon has just become this like entity all in of it, you know, in and of itself. Um, it's weird. I don't think brands make too much on track spikes. They don't push track spikes at all. So that's kind of like a weird, you know, it's just like, huh. I think it's because adults don't race and track spikes very much. There's not like track leagues for adults. It'd be cool if there was, but you know, because all of those adults with disposable income aren't buying spikes, you know, basically you're left with the high schoolers whose parents will buy them one pair of spikes for the year and then like college athletes and pro athletes. And so I just don't think the spike market's that big. So it doesn't, it doesn't matter as much, although sometimes the brands throw some crazy innovation in there. And so we try and highlight that. But I this the marathon, you know, what those people are now wearing in Molly Sidell is a good example. Mm-hmm. It was kind of Fuma. our, you know, I even knew yep. what
0: she was wearing. See that? Look at that. She was wearing Puma. Yeah, yeah.
1: And those shoes are great. I use those shoes to do my speed workout in. And that article got a Jump after her oh, yeah. performance at the Olympics, right? Because people started searching for what's on Molly Seidel's feet, and of course, in the article we had mentioned, like, oh, there's the, there's this endorser, Molly Seidel. She's wearing them, and then I had to go back into the article and say, oh yeah, now she's like freaking awesome and Ooh, you know, bronze you medal to winning. Go back you know?
0: and edit all those. Yeah, if you don't know, Molly Seidel Heck. won bronze in the marathon Olympic marathon.
1: Yeah, that's and actually anyone who has a website or is starting one, that is a good point. Google actually gives you extra points if you go update things. So you do not have to treat it like it's a newspaper or a magazine where an article goes out and you can never touch it again. You can go back in there and update it. And Google's little robot that crawls everything sees that you updated this two weeks ago and gives you extra credit for that because you are actually... Taking an article that is popular and adding more information, Um, which is why you see some sites that, you know, they'll have one article that's kind of ever changing, especially on the review side. Uh, You know, they'll have a a guide to the best kitchen appliances, and that URL will stay the same, but every six months they'll refresh the whole thing based on what new products came out. That's because Google uh, loves. People that take time to update their website and make it relevant for today.
0: That is very interesting. I had no idea, but now it makes sense how so many articles have updated dates at the top.
1: Yep. Yep. That's awesome. And G- Google reads that info and uh, they will then serve that content as more relevant for especially time relevant searches.
0: Wow. Okay, Drew, you have given us a ton of great information today. We've talked about how to jump into your niche and find your passion and make it something, whether it becomes your everything or just a side hustle. We've looked at all the different ways that we can go explore wear testers. If y'all are looking for a website to go on a rabbit hole or to find information, I will link everything below, but wear testers, just it's there and it's awesome. I'm gonna to have to ask you the end of question, end of episode questions in a second. But before we do there, is there anything else you want the listener to know about your story related to wear testers?
1: No, I think I think the only thing is, you know, sometimes because I was in a lot of startups, sometimes the the most interesting idea is right underneath your nose and it actually has more potential than maybe these ideas other people have that you're helping them with. So I would always kind of look at the ideas that come to you, the ones that you feel in your gut that you should pursue. And I think I took a little bit, you know, I hedged too much when it came to wear testers. I didn't put enough effort in early and, I could have, I could have been free from working for the man earlier. Had I done that, right? So it's, it's one of those things where if you're listening to your gut, listening to um, what's like calling you to do at that very moment, whether it's write a book or you know, you know, film that movie that you've always wanted. You know, I don't know, whatever, whatever it is. Like, I think there's a reason it's calling to you. And, you know, whether it's just, you're going to learn some amazing stuff that will help you with the next thing, or it is the thing that will kind of define, you know, kind of the, you know, this next phase of your career in my case, uh, I think listening to those feelings is important.
0: What great advice. Thank you so much for that, Drew. You ready for some end of podcast episode questions? Mm -hmm.
1: Yes, I am.
0: What is the best or most recent book that you have read?
1: Okay, so I'm going to do two because okay. I just noticed that one of them was becoming an HBO series. So I'm going to go with my with my nonfiction kind of self-helpy type book. Um, it's called The Comfort Crisis by Michael Easter.
0: Okay,
1: and basically he talks about always having challenges a lot of times those could be physical challenges Those could be mentally mental challenges Um, but he talks about he takes us all the way back in time and he's like our life is pretty cushy nowadays so if you don't have that you know kind of challenging aspect of your life that's pushing yourself out of a comfort zone you just like you're not going to have as a a fulfilling life and he gives a lot of examples of things you can do Um, we go you go on several adventures that he does because he does like one a year. Uh, really interesting book and kind of challenges kind of the notions on how comfortable we should want to be you know, in everyday life. And then the second one is a book called Station Eleven. This is a fiction book follows a traveling theater company in the wake of a deadly pandemic that kills most of the world's population. So really cool. Written in 2014. So like six Free years pandemic. before all this. Oh. Yes. And um, they have just made it into an HBO series that I think, um, you know, by the time this airs, we'll have all launched. So you could go watch the series, but I would encourage you to read the book because it is really well written, just a really good book. Hopefully the series ends up being uh, just as good, but it's kind of one of my favorite recent uh, fiction books that I've
0: read. Very cool, thank you for those awesome ideas. Who or what is inspiring or illuminating you right now?
1: So this one is the running community. Uh, Right now, like I did not realize when I got back into running, you know, like I ran one year or two years of high school track, one year of cross country. So I knew a little bit about the running community. But when I jumped back in to start reviewing shoes and do races, I have just met so many awesome people. Um, And I've uncovered fun opportunities, like both personally and professionally. It's just uh, the running community is unlike kind of any other Community, I've been a part of because, like, everyone's cheering for each other in a way that you don't see in other walks of life. Uh, because we're all, everyone understands you're all on a different point of your journey in terms of whatever time or effort you're running. It could be a marathon, could be a 5K, whatever it is. And so, everyone's cheering for everyone to do better than they did before because you know, the large majority of the running community is not touching these pro athletes over here. We're doing this to work out, to have fun, to make friends. And everyone is just so supportive and it's, everyone's competitive, sure, but supportive at the same time. So it's, it's just a different community than you find anywhere. And it really kind of has, uh, you know, Given me a lot of ideas. It's uh, just led me to a bunch of really interesting, really cool people, and I've appreciated like like it giving me as much as I'm giving it in terms of you know writing these reviews and you know working in it.
0: I love it. I'm glad the running community brought us together. I'm so glad that's how we met. It's so cool. Case case in
1: point, right What a great
0: story. Are there any organizations that you would like to illuminate at this part in our conversation?
1: Hmm, that's a good question. I would say, I'd say there kind of uh, an organization I donate to is called the Open Stories Foundation. Um, It provide there's also a podcast associated with several podcasts associated with it. It's provides a soft landing place for people leaving a high demand religion. So there are, you know, a lot of people that are in different places in terms of their faith journeys in this world. And sometimes uh, specific churches are no longer um, right for them. And they they leave and kind of find their own kind of way to have faith. And um, the cool thing is that there are organizations like the Open Stories Foundation out there that uh, give you a soft landing place, show you that there's plenty of other people in the exact same position you're in. They got through it. They're they've made peace, they've got their life kind of in a better place. I really, um, I really value people that dedicate their lives towards, you know, helping people through difficult phases of their lives. And that's kind of one of the organizations, um, that does that.
0: Awesome. I had no idea. Open Stories Foundation. Thanks for telling us about that. What is the final message you want to send out into the world as we wrap up today?
1: Yeah. I mean, find what you're passionate about and figure out a way to keep it as part of your life. It may always be a side hustle. It may not turn into a a job like mine, but I mean, honestly, when I was in third grade, if you would have told, if I would have told people in front of class that my career was going to be reviewing shoes and appearing on YouTube, I mean, you know, nothing like that even existed. It wasn't even an idea. So I think, you know, what we talked earlier about finding that niche, it's really just opening your mind to the possibility that this could either be a career or it could be a full hobby. It's just like lean into those things that really like, that that drive you, that you're passionate about. Because I think if you dig in, especially now with the way the internet works, you'll find a community somewhere that values that thing as much as you do. Um, And it may, it may not be a job, but it may be like a super fulfilling, like extra part of your life that you're not even thinking about accessing at the moment. Um, And so go out there and, and, and find that community, go out there and, kind of test the limits of what you can do with the things you're passionate about. And I think most people will be surprised at the results.
0: I love it. And you can do it in shoes that you've read reviews about on wear testers.
1: (laughs) Exactly. Yes. And please, please go to the website, read the reviews. DM me on Instagram, give me your feedback. I would love to hear feedback, especially from people that have never been to the site before uh, because it always reveals like interesting ways we could organize content. And, and if there's no, nothing I love more than organizing our content on the site, a little OCV about that.
0: I love it. Well, thanks so much for your time, Drew.
1: Thank you, Amy. I appreciate it.
0: That's it. Are you ready to follow your gut to find your place? if nothing else, to go explore wear testers and totally go down that rabbit hole. There are so many interesting things to watch, things to read, and things to learn about over on their website. I literally have gone down that rabbit hole one too many times, but totally worth it. As Drew said, feel free to go check out the website and send him a DM. He is one of the easiest people to talk to and full of information. He gave the best analogy after we stopped recording. I'm really passionate about music and conversations and connecting people. So if you were to ask me a question about music or connecting people, I get really excited to talk about it. But you don't have to ask me. I'd love to talk about just about anything. Drew is that same way about everything that they test on Wear testers. Yes, you can ask him and he will be so excited to go into the weeds with you about some of these things. Or you can utilize all the work that they've done and put together for you over on Wear testers. And that's what it's there for. Whether you're wanting to dive deep and do some research or just quickly find what you need. How interesting is that, that we as individuals, each of us have our individual feet. We have our individual passions and our individual things that just help us feel illuminated. And when we tap into that, we illuminate the world around us. I hope that you feel illuminated, that you know that whatever you're doing is really important to this world. It's been an honor to share this time with you. Thanks again for listening, and I'll see you next time on the Illuminate podcast.